Hello, hello. I am back here to chat with Renee Urbanovich about creativity, self-care. Um, and I think today we're going to finish up our martyr topic and then we're going to move on to happiness. So let me see if I can find her and get her on. There she is. Hey. Hi, it's dark now. <laughs> Happy yeah. Monday. Thank you for switching. Yeah, my pleasure. It's, uh, it actually works well for me. It's okay. a good day. When um, do I get to hear your Hildegard song? <laughs> um, I'm going to be performing my Hildegard, Hildegard song on December 18th. Wow. And it will be filmed. <laughs> so wow. I'll, I'll probably post it unless I completely bomb. I'll post it on here probably. Yes, you should. You it. should. Well, if you don't post it, send me the whole thing. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. I'm excited Good for life. you. Nice. Uh -oh. Now, um, I just have this. Uh, something happened to my phone, and I usually have the light on all the time because I use it when I teach, and I never, ha I never want it to fade out. And I don't uh -huh. know what happened. It's now deciding it wants to fade out. Anyway, I'll just keep my finger on it. Anyway, um, I think we said we were going to talk more about martyrdom. Um. Uh, yeah, and, and we can. We said it could be a subject unto itself, um, but you know, I was just thinking. We talk about so many millions of things. I wish we could tie it together somehow, or give a basis, like the, a building block kind of um, logical sequential thing. But I don't know if we can. Um, well, know. I'm sure that we can. I don't know if we can do it right now on the fly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But so yeah, people aren't confused. Not not that um, I confuse everybody all the time. I'm always all over the place. So, um, but yes, last week we talked a lot about um, self sacrifice and what it looks like, and then you and I passed around the Shel Silverstein thing. Yes, and, you oh, know, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I think I in my grandpa's generation, on his, I think I told you, I'm, I may not have, on his epitaph, on his tombstone. It said so, it says something about his fellow man, mm -hmm. um, husband, father, and something of his purveyor, uh, something of his fellow man. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I have to look it up, uh, something like that. And he wrote a beautiful poem um, about success that I had um, like on my closet door for 20 <laughs> years about your success being reaching out to your fellow man. Well, mm -hmm. Then come to find out people don't even know that saying, your fellow man. Obviously, it's out, out of date. It should be your fellow human. And it shouldn't necessarily be fellow because that's also masculine. But that concept kind of went away for a while. And um, the whole Shel Silverstein thing in the 70s was more or less a hippie. He was a, you know, he was a hippie, Shel Silverstein, the writer. He was coming off of the 60s hippie era. Um, trying to promote love. And now here we are in our self-care menagerie, you know, everything's about self-care, making fun of um, how the poor giving tree just pretty much died, gave until she could give no more. So yeah. I just was thinking, culturally speaking, uh, of course there's anachronisms and we look back on, you know, even what's his name? not Walt Whitman, Henry David Thoreau. And I make fun of him all the time because he had his 
you know, mom and, you know, sister taking care of him at Walden Pond. He wasn't doing his own laundry. He wasn't making his own food, right? So mm -hmm. I make fun of that. And so now um, I'm taking issue with the fact that we're making fun of poor Shel Silverstein. I don't know why, because it was my era and I'm part of it. Yeah. So but yeah. what what is it about our consciousness collectively that takes issue with um, issues like that and the changing the thought form? changing what we accept is okay. Because um, I personally don't think it's okay that we don't feel responsible for one another like they did in the depression. I don't think it's okay. And I don't, yeah. I don't know what the better word for responsible is, but. Um, yeah, so there's so much to unpack in what you're saying. So first is the Shel Silverstein thing for a little bit of context. So we're talking about the giving tree by Shel Silverstein, which is a story about a tree who basically gives itself until it's a stump to this little boy. And, you know, I grew up reading that book and was so, it, one of the most beloved books of my childhood, like top five. Um, and I, you know, I grew up being very moved by that story. And I, I still think there is a lot of beauty in that story. Okay. I think the revisioning of it is very clever and very um, timely. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's like a rewrite or a contradiction of what Shel Silverstein was originally trying to express, because okay. I think there's sort of two different things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, I think on the positive side, that story is a little bit like the, the positive side of surrender that I talked about last week, um, where you, you're giving of yourself to the extent that there is no self, right? There's like a, a surrender of the self to the extent that you almost subsume the self. And this is like a higher spiritual goal. This is not like a thing that the average person necessarily wants or needs to pursue. So there's that side of things that I think can be, uh, you could you could draw that analogy with the Shel Silverstein story. I also think the, the vast majority of us, myself included, probably look at that story as um, a maternal metaphor, right? Like who, who do you see as the tree except your mother, a mother, yeah. the archetypal yeah. mother, right? Um, and so in that sense, the story can be an allegory of, modernity really because look what we're doing to our mother the earth you know we're that, doing yeah as as a Gaia absolutely it, it could, yeah. we could take it now to mean that like we keep taking from her and taking from her certainly yeah and then you know there's so I mean there's so many ways that's the beauty of allegory right you can read it so many different ways and there's so much nuance to it. it's like a diamond with its many facets you know another way you can look at it is not only that like we're basically you know destroying the earth and the earth is becoming a stump, you know, but, <laughs> but that, that no matter what, no matter what loss the tree experienced, the tree's happiness, mm -hmm. the tree's um, contentedness or, or fulfillment was through the act of giving. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that's why I, I mentioned, maybe we should talk about happiness because right. the trees, you didn't say the trees happiness. You said the trees fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I know that a lot of people are on the pursuit of happiness, but um, I think happiness is overrated. And I, I really, sure. I don't like to brag when I'm happy um, because I think that happiness is short-sighted and happiness is not the same as contentment. And yeah. so uh, everybody wanting to be happy and feel happy all the time 
tends to be tends to short to circuit the mission of creativity, right? Which is to be more connected, which has more to do with what Shel Silverstein was saying about self-sacrifice for the sake of others. Right. I can't hear what that is. I just hear a noise. Well, it's my little man laughing in the background. I'm gonna move to the room. <laughs> He's like, oh sorry mom, I told him I was doing a call. Um go ahead. I'm still listening. Oh, uh, anyway, so um, I don't know where I was going. I just lost it. Just about uh, happiness versus fulfillment, um, self-sacrifice, and what, what true unconditional love is. Um, because when you're honored to love someone, should it cost you anything? If someone, if you're easy to love and it doesn't cost you anything, is it worth less than someone who's hard to love and it costs you a lot? Like, what is the difference between unconditional love, self-sacrifice, martyrdom, you know, like Shel Silverstein's little tree? And, you know, and what should our, what should our mission in life be? To bring ourselves fulfillment or to bring fulfillment to others? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. First of all, I totally agree with you about the word happy. That word is meaningless to me, essentially. I mean, I don't. Yeah, and I match. You know. I match. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for you if you have a baby or you get married. I say I'm happy for you. That's like the only time I really think I use that word in my life, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of funny because I'm talking about other people. But um, yeah, happiness to me isn't a thing. It's not, you know, it's not a thing. It's like not yeah. a thing I think about in my life. I think about self-actualization um like the the you know fulfilling my reason for being you know growth yeah, we, evolution but i also think of not even in in growth terms or like linear terms i really think of just like embodying my humanity which which to me isn't like a oh i have to reach for this or i have to achieve this it's like a a sinking down into who I am, you know, mm, as, a, yeah. as a human. Um, and, you know, happiness, you could say happiness is like the, if there's an up and a down in life, happiness is the top of the hill and everyone wants to be at the top of the hill, but you can't actually be at the top of the hill all the time. Otherwise that just becomes a flat line and that's essentially that's depression, work. right? That's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the so the word is meaningless to me, and it I, it doesn't have a place really in my vocabulary, like my day to day vocabulary. Yeah. Um, so, but so, then I forgot the last thing you said. I was gonna make a comment on that as well. Something about fulfillment, maybe something about ah uh, ah, uh, that's right. So you said so. Do we try to like fulfill ourselves, or do we try to serve others? And I would say that there's no difference between the two. Like true to me, the true purpose of life and like everyone has their own iteration of what it is but if you're fulfilling your purpose you are both serving yourself and serving others simultaneously what you're not serving is the small self like the self that says i want you know five glasses of wine right now or i want you know yeah. this boyfriend and that boyfriend or yeah, you know the yeah. small self because that's not even yourself right that's the mind just bouncing around like a ping pong ball having different wants and desires but to me, there's no separation between self-fulfillment and the fulfillment of uh, serving the collective. Because we, like I always say this, I always say you can't exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Human beings cannot exist in a vacuum. 
we are not only are we highly social creatures that are designed to be in communities and be of service to the community to have a place and a role in the community which gives us a sense of stability fulfillment identity purpose etc we're also a part of the web of life and so no matter what we're doing we're either we're either masochists you know hurting ourselves and the world mm-hmm. or we're doing something that's fulfilling to ourselves and the rest of humanity. And of course it's not black and white, but those are the ends of the spectrum that I see. Right. And life is long. So you could ultimately be, you know, a cutter at whatever, 35 or to, let's say 20 and your life is a mess. And then you get your shit together. And, um, but what you're saying is what I really believe that if we're all running around chasing, let's say happiness or monetary success or something on the superficial side, I don't know what else to call it, then mm-hmm. we're gonna have a superficial society because everyone's chasing after that flat line that you're talking about that really, right. it may not exist in your mind because you're not after it, but the fact that it does exist, that every, then you get to the top of the hill and there's nothing there. Your, your right. humanity isn't with you. And you know, the old saying Ubuntu, uh, the African word Ubuntu means I am because you are, that's what being human is. We can't, mm-hmm. we are each other. We, I can't be a human without you being a human with me. It's, to, it's that whole interlocking um, value that yeah. I, I don't know if it's missing. I feel like it was missing for a good long time in my life, um, yeah. in my lifetime. And I'm not going to say, oh, it was from 1984 to 1997. But um, I definitely see a surge back towards unity and um, mm-hmm. towards that whole idea of the collective. So um, anyway, if we're all, you know, on our Instagram feeds, just wishing we were that person, you know, skydiving with the beautiful husband and whatever, and you're always wishing for the other thing, then you are superficial and our whole society's gonna be superficial. Sure. Well, I think, you know, it's it's it starts systemically, right? So. This is something I think about often, you know, in the corporate world or even in the professional world at large. It's it. There's such a focus on the self and the the identity of the self and the self moving kind of like this pawn, you know, on a chessboard. Um, like the self as the CV sort of thing. Yeah. And so so even people who have really good hearts and have really great intentions and want to help improve the world, they're so focused on moving their pawn in the right directions to even just like set themselves up in a good position for, you know, for basic, for the basic needs and maybe a little bit more, you know, um, that, so what happens is our creativity gets siphoned into, okay, I'm going to focus on my world, moving my pawn where it needs to go so that I can support my family. I can, you know, have a decent life. I can pursue some hobbies, whatever. But imagine if we all actually siphoned that energy or did not siphon that energy away to the to the self, but rather col- like made a collective pool of that energy. Yeah. I mean, the power of that would be exponential. And I think that's the that to me is really the truth of why we as a society are kind of falling to pieces, mental health wise and whatever. Right. We're tr- we're taking we're taking these little bits of energy and trying to we're basically trying to make ourselves exist in vacuums, and yeah. we cannot. Um, and so that, you know, world problems can't get solved because everyone else, everyone's too distracted with the, 
with the pawn game, right? right? To right. just get their own position filled. Right, which is, which is why there's that movement, um, this huge movement. And then, I mean, when I went to college when I was 40, I met some people staying on a buffalo farm, living in a homestead, you know, living mm -hmm. like in a big commune. And so that was, you know, 17 years ago. And then I've heard more about the homesteading movement, the tiny mm -hmm. home, tiny home movement, people saying, let's just do the four hour work week. I don't want to own things. I just want to have, you know, people trying to change culture's values yeah. um, by the, the movement of simplicity, which is a little bit like your, um, your, thing your um mission your mission which mm -hmm. is to simplify and slow the fuck down um, yeah because exactly. you're going to push 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 to have however much money in the bank and to have this that and the other thing and it's still not going to be what you need or what no one needs um ultimately because it's going to lack connection it's going to lack that depth exactly so, anyway go ahead uh, i was just going to say beyond that you know, there's that, that's the, that's kind of the monetary and the time side and the energy side, but there's also the community side. So I, I think of it as like a masculine feminine thing or yin, yin yang. So there's the, the masculine where we're burning ourselves out working and accumulating and whatever. And then the positive masculine being like giving ourselves space, giving ourselves time, the four hour work week, whatever. And then the feminine side is like what we talked about before, where I talked about walking the wool and the women sitting and singing and they've got the wool like marinated in urine and they're like working it out. You know, we are literally our nervous systems are missing the opportunities for those kinds of interactions, whether it's singing or just sitting around shooting the shit or sitting around, you know, cross stitching or whatever, our nervous systems don't get to sit in groups of people yeah. and don't get to just marinate in the, the sense of safety and love and being yeah. held, you know, that you get in a community. I'm really excited actually, because I'm going to, um, in the new year, January 14th or so something, I'm going to, um, a retreat in Northern California led by Ken Weaver, who I mentioned, I think in the last, the last time we talked about this, it's all, it's all weaving and it's just learning how oh, to weave. Oh, you're gonna sisters, do that. Yeah. Sisters of the loom. Uh, I cannot wait. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to create, you know, in simple wild free, but also just in my own life and to, to promote the work of other women doing this too, because I think it's so important for us to simply just be sitting around in circles for our, for the, you know, you could talk about all the, the spiritual reasons, the whatever, the mental health, but truly for me, it's like my nervous system just wants to be in a circle of women. You know what I mean? That's my addition. I, the closest thing I can think of would just be like the Europeans, like when we go over to London and we went to Croatia with Rosie and yeah, we were all on vacation, but even when they're not on vacation and we're in London and they're coming home from work, when they get together for a drink, it's not two hours. Uh -uh. It's hours and hours and hours. And uh, my nervous system and Jim's nervous system, we're, we clock out at, at three and a half hours. We can't yeah. sit anymore and just sit. We just sure. can't. But they're going to go on till midnight. So they've got six yeah. hours, you know. We've yeah. only got half that in, in us. So yeah. there's a huge difference, I think, America, you know, Northern American wise, because I'm um, not that I know anything, but I know Jordan spent a lot of time in the South and in, in Mexico, in um, Nicaragua, in uh, Argentina. And it, the, the sitting around vibe 
um, it, it just makes my skin crawl, but it's part of life. And so yeah. taking off three days a week now from teaching and from working on whatever I work on, like usually I'm writing a, a book or I'm working all the time and I love it, but just being part of a family again and, you know, the hours passing by with the baby and now with the new baby and just doing dinner and then just doing dishes and then just sitting and talking. I haven't. I haven't done the whole sit down and talk to people unless they're over for vacation or for a family reunion in, in, in years, uh, years. Yeah. Yeah. And in, right. in fact, when, when I did have children, we had a computer table and it sat like three kids. And then we had another table and we were always just doing something. We a very mm -hmm. productive household over here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, shifting that and trying to reset my nervous system. Um, you know, I haven't done any research on it, but I know that, it's a definitely a new concept for me that with, to reset my nervous system without wine or, you know, a couple right. glasses of wine or whatever. But that's, I think what we default to is we just take mm -hmm. a glass of wine to relax. But, um, you know, my mom used to, cause she's a seventies lady hippie, you know, she used to have certain, you know, women's circles and mm -hmm. pot pottery days and, you know, they yeah. would just sit there for hours. So it's not a lost it's not all entirely lost yet, I don't think. No, no. I think it's just not, it's not systemic. So there's always, there's a system in the machine of the system and what the system is propagating. And then there's what people naturally are attracted to or drawn to. And then there's kind of that constant, uh, like, friction between the two and what's available to people based on their lives. And, you know, in America, in the United States of America, I think, you know, we're really addicted to adrenaline. It's, we don't even know how to be exist in silence and space, right? So first there's the mental, um, like, the story of, oh, I need to be productive and I need to be doing something or whatever. But then even when we eradicate that story, our nervous system is still in a state of, like, activity which is a, it's a low-grade fight or flight it's like emotional facilitation mm -hmm. that that makes it difficult for us to be like with those europeans for instance mm -hmm. and actually relax and be you know and so being with children helps and yeah drinking a glass of wine a glass of wine or a glass of beer or whatever can help you to open your channels to get more in the present moment to kind of turn off that productivity thing that like mm -hmm. you know coffee the coffee mindset yeah. you know what i mean yeah. I mean, why, why did our workforce need to be caffeinated? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> what, if we never had coffee? what would the world look like? It would be very different. And um, you know, Sometimes you and I talk so much about self care and I always want to qualify it as you do that. It's, it's definitely not necessarily. You know supposed to be ready? Yeah. At six. I'm on a call. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so the self-care conversation that we have regularly, we always qualify that this type of self-care where you're going to, you know, take an hour and light a candle and you know, rub lotion or, or do a meditation, all those things. It, we always quantify that not everyone's at a place where they can do that because I don't want it to, I don't want to, you know, be judgmental of the people that work two jobs, even in America. But um, the, the difference in maybe maybe i'm suggesting the difference in the other countries that my kids have visited like nepal and thailand and like you were in thailand the difference could be in the nervous systems and and in the in the system itself that um they may be less fortunate um in the those are the wrong terms yeah so here's a side note is i wrote that in an essay once when i was around 42 that 
I was hanging my laundry to dry because I was trying to be organic. And I said something about those less fortunate. And my teacher reamed me saying, you know, just because you give your child a $50 toy and people in Africa don't give their kids toys at all, there's nothing yeah. about fortune in there. There's nothing about who's fortunate and who's not. He really, really reamed me. So yeah. the scenario that they have in the system that they have may be beneficial to them so that they don't need as much focused, paid for self-care that we people that we need after being on this treadmill totally. you know for however many years yeah well a huge part of that especially in thailand and in rural thailand they live in a village and they live with their family and you know a lot of places in asia people sleep in the same room and whatever so they have less of the individualistic storyline um like this is your space this is my space i need my own whatever right you know like what whoever said that okay like we all need our own kitchen. To me, it's absurd. Like we need, you need this big, huge, large appliance and you need this big stovetop and one for you, one for you. Like it doesn't make any sense. But so going back to what you're saying, yeah, self-care of the kind that we're talking about is almost, um, it's almost irrelevant in that culture because it's an intact culture. It's what I would think of as an intact culture versus the Margaret Thatcher um, society of individuals kind of culture. Right. It's because breeding, one- Yeah, it's not breeding this desperation um, exactly. You, yeah. Okay. It's not breeding. And they, yeah. and they sit around and they touch each other and they massage each other and they don't have weird taboos about body. And they're just like, you know, really affectionate naturally the way little kids are. Mm -hmm. They haven't lost that. And not only that, but they, they go to Buddhist temple, they have the monks, they have rituals that are built into their culture that they all participate in. Yeah. So they're not, you know, they're not desperate to like, where do I find meeting? Okay, I guess I'm gonna light some candles and like yeah, say some prayer. Yeah. You know, like they yeah. it's already all built in yeah. for them. And I'm so not true. saying like, oh, you have to be Buddhist or this culture, you know. I'm just saying that this culture isn't better or worse. It's it's it it's actually a culture at all. Is all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. And so I, I'm bringing that up uh, as a point to, of the whole self care, fulfillment, and all of that. And it it really ties into what we're trying to do here that um, we're trying to have a multi-generational homestead, you know, with Jordan, mm -hmm. his, his wife and their two kids living here. Um, and, you know, I had a therapist at one point, like six months ago, and, and I felt like she chided me and she wanted to say something that was really bad about having my son move in with us. And I said, oh, you don't understand where we really want this. My son's living in 35 different countries and he has seen this for 11 years ever since he grew up. So we're tr we want to try it. But I'm telling you that I, I keep digging my heels in and I keep having a hard time because I am the I'm the I think I'm all for the collective, but I'm obviously, you know, I'm, I'm an individualist person. If I don't get my time alone, I'm you know what I mean? So yeah. I, there's so many issues that come along with a multigenerational home when you haven't had a model like Jordan's yeah. had a model. I haven't had a model. I haven't I haven't seen families like you've seen in Thailand. And um, I don't have very many friends whose kids and their children live with them for, you know, a long period of time. I just don't, I just, it's not part of our culture. Of course. So, yeah. So we're yeah. trying to take a concept and create it out of thin air. I mean, I've lived in plenty of communes and the like, and there's always a lot of struggle and ego because there's, a, it's a bunch of people coming from cultures that don't know how to do that. Right. And then I also want to, you know, insert the caveat that we don't necessarily know, you know, for instance, in a culture like Thailand, there, where there's, you know, in Asia in general, there's really strong Confucian um, 
history and, and philosophy that kind of like guides their the way they socialize. So they're very collective focused and there's a lot of positives to that, but there's also negatives too. Like it's a lot harder to have personal boundaries in, in cultures like that. So I'm, again, I'm not like glorifying that culture or, you know, over another. And I'm not necessarily saying that having alone time or wanting to have alone time is good or bad. Um, but what I'm saying is that they have, they have an intact culture where there is a collective, um, there is an automatic collective uh, ability to be in the same space, to be in shared space. You don't have to you know, schedule 15 play dates or whatever to make it happen. And they, they touch each other. Mm-hmm. And they, so they're getting these very basic needs met, basic needs to cook together, to sleep together, to physically be together, to physically touch one another. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, you know, the number one predictor of, of recovery from depression and anxiety is um, having a strong support network. Mm-hmm. And like so a community, community. Yeah. A community. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine all these people here and what I think of as like filing cabinets of, you know, apartment buildings and whatever, <laughs> like one yeah. person in this little box, another person in this little box. Yeah. No wonder we're not getting touched. We don't, we don't hear the voice of another person. Yeah. We're not sharing meals together. Like these are all really, you know, ingrained in our biology. Yeah. Like we were, yeah. we evolved this way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, part of, part of our scenario right now is very fun. I mean, it's just enlivening and it's fulfilling a lot of those needs for me. And yet mm-hmm. I'm shocked at how reticent I am um, and how hard it's been for me. But I do think that um, that quanti- that we always qualify the whole self-care thing. Um, I think that uh, not putting a value judgment on individualist versus collective um, societies, not putting a value judgment, but each one's going to breed a different um, a different sort set of issues that you, you need to work through. I guess I don't know. Absolutely. I totally believe that too. Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, sit over here and talk about this utopian culture that doesn't actually exist. What I do want to talk about is basic human needs that some cultures meet and some don't, you know, and, and us being in a position where we we can make a choice to create something that takes the good, leaves the bad, you know. And sometimes in this culture, in the, in the more elite um, privileged culture, the things that we want so desperately, we have to pay for them. You know, we pay for massages and we do pay for like, if we want to go to Joanne's Fabrics or whatever, wherever and have a little quilting thing, you have to pay for any community thing that you're going to do. Totally. Um, and that's part of it. But um, here in Santa Clarita, every time I talk to this woman, I break into tears. This baby, Achilles from Argentina, never got to be with anyone. He got here when he was nine months old. And for like eight months, he didn't get to be with anyone. And I found a group through a lady that I met at the duck thing. And she said, oh, no, this lady started a SCV toddler group. So there's like 700 mothers of toddlers through Facebook. And it's completely free. And they do a co-op. And one woman does a lesson or man every day, every single day. And it's completely free. So people that want the community and want the interaction for their children, at least, and mm-hmm. these mothers of toddlers, I mean, I haven't been around them in so long. They're so like, I'm like, okay, come on, it's 10 o'clock. And they're just like, yeah, I'll start when I start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I'm going to take my time setting up. And I haven't been around it in so long that it's reminding me, you know, of of just that slow pace. And it's it's probably taking my blood pressure down a little. I don't know. 
Yeah, let it. Let it do that. <laughs> Thailand did that for me. I've never been so grounded in my life as when I left Thailand and then moved to San Francisco and became completely ungrounded. <laughs> <laughs> the ebb and flow of, of being grounded. Uh, yeah. For me, I swear for me, it happens within hours in the day. Like I, mm -hmm. I can't keep track of when I'm feeling like I can do this. I can do this. But I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> so mm -hmm. anyway. All right. So what did we talk about? You want to wrap it up? That is a great question. So basically, we were talking about fulfillment and happiness and the, the, the power of community in yeah. achieving that. Yes, we kind um, of got off on community, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. But to me, it's, it's again, it's no different because I think creative community, like this Ken Weaver thing I was talking about, yeah. that's kind of the pinnacle to me. That's the creative self, so unabashed in being the creative self that you can be held in the community. You don't, you know, have the critic, like we, we're not there to look good. We're not there to produce a painting that everyone says is good, right? We're there yeah. to be in community and create something out of the collective energy that's mm. there. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And that's a good thing about church, right? <laughs> we're, always, we're always talking about church. That is a good thing about church. People come totally. together just to be together and just to share, share a meal. It's called fellowship in the church. So yeah, and it's a beautiful idea, and no matter what the religion is, it's beautiful, and it's something that secular culture is, uh, is it's slipping away from secu secular I, culture. I, I do, I feel that, and what, before we left, um, the, the big idea of church, that's what Jim's main concern was, he's like, that the whole community idea is just like, what, where will we have that? So now we just have totally. such a big family, but what I love... Yeah, that that's one way to do it. <laughs> what I love that happened today, tonight, is... We wanted to talk about happiness and fulfillment, and we can interchange the word community and together those words. We can interchange those words. That yeah. um, that it, it's a fascinating thing that um, they're interchangeable. That, that that movie Happy Happiness or Happy Happiness, the pursuit of happiness. No, it's it's a doc. Um, Shad, who's that um, director? Shad. Shad. Shadiak, Shadiak, Tom Shadiak. There you go. Tom Shadiak. He 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 got in an accident and he got hurt, and he was he's the one that did um, you know, uh, Jim Carrey and the pet thing, the pet movie. Uh huh. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Very famous. <laughs> very very successful on the go guy, yeah. and he got in an accident in a biking accident. He got hurt, and he just had all this time in the world to analyze happiness. So with all his money. And everything, he sold everything he had. He moved into like a trailer and he took cameramen and he went all around the world seeking what happy, who's happy and who's not. Mm -hmm. And what is happiness? And um, we just came, we just hit the nose. We hit it on the nail. We hit the nail yeah. on the head. It's togetherness. Yeah. It's community. Totally. Yeah. 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 And but it was an accident. I, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> no, totally. But that's great. I love it. Because it's, okay. it's spontaneous and it's real. So. Time for dinner now. Yeah, it is. Time for dinner. Dinner. Okay. <laughs> Love you. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.